On this week's episode, we are back after an impromptu week off, and we are here to cure your seasonal depression. Yay! (laughs) It's getting darker early, Drew, and uh, we know that you need something to help get you through the day. So, today, Drew is giving me a story about match-fixiness? Yeah, there's uh, some match-fixiness. There's some match-fixiness going down in the history world of soccer. Match-mixiness. I hate you. Specifically, buckle up. This is Dead Ball Brothers. Welcome to Dead Ball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. We're stupider than VAR. We're stupider than your least favorite referee. We're stupider than your least favorite team. We're stupider than all those things, but we make it clever, and that's why the people love us. I'm kind of hung up on you calling it VAR. Is that that's pretty common terminology? I always say VAR. I know people. Say, I know it's VAR, but I always say VAR. It's a little bit easier. I am a lazy person, first and foremost. That's my my modus operandi. Just try to keep it simple. As simple as possible. Yeah. Keep it stupid simple. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's how it is. Um, well, that's how I do it in my life, so I'm going to stick with that one. Okay. that That's fair. Spooky season's over. Spooky season is over, which means that my Twitter name is back to my real name, which is Adam Whitaker Snavely, everyone's least favorite athletic writer, joined, as always, by my real-life brother. That was really smooth. I do have to say, mm, I am Drew Snavely, and I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> My, welcome, Dad Drew Snavely. Because Manchester United <laughs> has nobody who is competent in their side beyond, I don't know, Aaron Juan Bissaka. Scott McDominay. <laughs> oh, man. You did well against Chelsea in the League Cup. Yeah. You shut down American terror Christian Pulisic. That, that is true, who is on an excellent run of games at the moment. Four goals in two games? Four goals in two Premier League games. Four goals in two Premier League games. But the dumpster fire of a season, the, dump, the dumpster fire of Manchester United's last six or seven seasons continues and is shows no signs of being doused anytime soon. If it makes you feel any better, Arsenal and Tottenham are exactly right there with you. That is that is true. Um, the thing about Arsenal and Spurs is that they don't really have a history of winning a lot. <laughs> I guess Arsenal does Arsenal a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. You know, a little bit. The only perfect Premier League season. I mean, yeah, but they tied so many times. No one else has done it, though. Yeah, it's true. Whatever. All I'm saying. Props to you, Arsenal, I guess, on that one season. That one season. (laughs) Anybody can win a Premier League title, all right? Lester did it, so. Lester's going to finish top four this year. I feel, man, I feel so good about that prediction right now. I I think I predicted that Lester would finish fourth this year. Well, the XG models would like to disagree with you, my brother. There's a reason they play the games and not just computer simulate it. All right, whatever. <laughs> Mr. Anti-Stat. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not anti-stat. Yeah, you're not. You're I'm not. just I'm just I'm just in it for the lulls, the bants, oh, as yeah. they say. Absolutely. Drew. You've told me that you have brought a story of match fixing. Yeah. Yeah, I do have a match fixing story. And so I guess the question is, well, which one? Because <laughs> 
There's so there many. are so many. Yeah, I, I mean the the world of soccer um, has its fair share of contains uh, multitudes, really multitudes. You know, I mean, I guess that kind of speaks more to our human nature um, uh, of corruption and greed and selfish selfishness and all that kind of stuff. We're getting really like philosophical. Gonna have some ontological arguments in this podcast. Welcome to my ethics lecture. I'm no down for it. <laughs> Give it to me. When you when you think uh, of match fixing in soccer specifically, yeah, um, probably one of the first that pops to your mind is the 2006 Calciopoli scandal. Yeah, Calciopoli. Calciopoli. Is it really that? Calcio. Yeah. Man, no, I. Man, we already started, and I already feel like an idiot. At but. least I just corrected you and not let you go for an entire podcast calling a town the wrong name. Sorry, Torquay United. Sorry, Torquay. <laughs> Torquay City and Torquay United. Uh, but to all all the Torquays. Still feel terrible about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Juventus getting sent down to Serie B. Juventus, uh, Florentina, Lazio, all relegated Serie B. Juventus stripped of a couple titles. Banned from from UEFA um, for a certain amount of time. I don't know exactly how much. Which I don't feel terrible about because, let's face it, most all Italian teams are trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I just I, I I just we're coming off the whole Mario Balotelli thing that happened today or yesterday. What happened? I missed it. Oh, he was getting racially abused, uh, and he tried to walk off, and like both teams were like, "No, don't do it." And then he was getting criticized for trying to walk off. So stupid. Yeah, people suck. People do suck. People suck really bad. Anyway, continue. I mean, it's not like that. Every uh, any club is like clean or absolved of that issue. It's just that Italian clubs tend to be worse. Yeah. In 1993, mm-hmm. Marseille was stripped of a League One title. And Marseille, banned- you say? Marseille is is that. Is that wrong? No, I was just making a joke. Oh, okay. I, now I'm questioning that. everything. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Marseille. Drew, <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> we're going to make it through we're this. Gonna, we're going to get through. All right. All I know right. it's been a little bit since we recorded last, but I believe in us. Oh, just shaking off the rest. We're great. They tried to bribe a few players from... No, I know I'm going to mess this one up. Oh. Valenciennes in 1993... Yeah, sure. I don't know how to pronounce that team's Valencianes. name. Yeah. Uh they Marseille officials asked a few players from the squad to take it easy on <laughs> the Marseille guys because <laughs> they won, were trying to win League One and it was their final match of the season. Yeah. And so they wanted to win that. But obviously they also um wanted to have all their players healthy and fresh for the UEFA Champions League final, which was the next week. And so they're like, oh, well, here's – maybe we should uh, try to to bribe a couple yeah, a couple obviously. of these guys to let's, – let's, uh, let's just make this happen the easy way, <laughs> the capitalist way. I can think of one other big one, which isn't – it's kind of match fixy. It's not – uh, I mean, it's match fixy, and it was two international teams. Is this what you're talking about? No. Oh, no. it's not at all. Yeah. Okay. Hey, great. Go for it. Okay. So I don't I, think I, that you know what I just I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't it wasn't going to be the story. Um, there was a, a 
It was either a World Cup or a European Championship um, where Germany and Austria um, were in the same group. I want to say it was a World Cup. And basically, if they drew... It was, it was the game that started all these major competitions having the last group game occur at the same time. Because basically in their group... What occurred was the other two teams in their group played their game before Germany and Austria did. Yeah. And the results happened, and then Germany and Austria were both like, if we draw, we both go through. And so they just kind of putzed around to a 1-1 draw. <laughs> that is so terrible. Which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> which sucks for the other teams. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a big deal. People were very, very upset about yeah. that. Yeah, uh, naturally so. I mean, completely takes away from the integrity of... Of the beautiful game, and I, I, something what I was gonna say. I mean, that is definitely match fixing. But um, while this specifically isn't entirely match fixing, teams purposely losing to face another uh, teams purposely purposely losing um, one round to face an easier opponent yes. opponent the next round. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that quite a bit. Yes. In a lot of tournaments, even as much as... The 2018 World Cup where England and Belgium, neither of them wanted to win. Yeah. It was cl- it was so clear. It was so funny. Yeah. How little either of them wanted to win that game. Yeah. And maybe there's a better way to, to eliminate that, but I'm sure teams will always find a way to... Yeah. It's, to it's, work around something it's like that. It's tough. It's tough at that point. Yeah. So... I think it's safe to say match fixing happens pretty often for a couple reasons: making money, <laughs> yeah, one, and winning. Profit, baby. Uh, obviously, those two things are directly related to each other. Yeah, all the time, most of the time. Um, if you win, you make money, and so they're generally speaking, usually directly correlated. Yeah, to, to one another, and so, um, like I was saying earlier, we. Are most people are are pretty terrible, you know. Uh, a lot like of people was, are driven by greed. Like I was saying earlier, uh, human beings being trash in nature. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Um, gets the best of a lot of people, unfortunately, and it is the reason why I have this story today. I wasn't nervous that you were going to say what the scandal was because this takes place in 1915. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> most people don't know a lot that happened in 1915 just because that was over 100 years ago. Yeah. It was a, it was a very long uh, time ago. World War One ish Honestly, right as World War One is starting. So. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right there. You hit the nail on the head. Got it. I think it'd be going on for a couple months. Social studies. Social studies, baby. Thanks. Thanks, global history. <laughs> uh, what makes this scandal fascinating to me, um, I mean, I know that it happened a long time ago, but right. it hits pretty close to me because it involves my favorite team, uh, Manchester United, which is very sad. And <laughs> be- I mean, obviously, teams uh, do terrible things. Yeah, all every top tier team, pretty I'm much sure. every single one. Yeah, um, and there's like only so much you can a, do about a, that. Aligning yourself 
to a like a sports team, so any sort of fandom, is meaning that you have to subject yourself and reckon with generally a history of the fact that your team at one point or another has done bad things just the same as your country has probably done some bad things you know yeah yeah and but it's important to talk about it yes it's important to talk about so that we don't forget and that we can constantly grow and improve as fans and supporters of those clubs in uh, theory and in theory and demanding that clubs um that we are the, that we're holding them to a high standard yeah so Another. This is, this is a very noble episode of Football Brothers. <laughs> really? We're turning we're turning this into a very like. Listen, you're going to be better for listening to this podcast. Uh, another reason why this story is fascinating because it involves United's arch rivals, uh, one Liverpool, the Pool FC, the Scousers themselves, or as I like to call them, Liver Poop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What a pun! Yeah, you have you have you have eviscerated them in fiction, my friend. Yeah, I just own them. Yeah, you you did. Boom roasted. <laughs> God, tell the story. Oh man! <laughs> so this is this story is also relevant because Manchester United at the time was involved in a relegation scrap, which they're they get, currently in. They're the not in a relegation scrap. They're only like. Three points above safety. I know, but that's like the entire mid-table. They'll be fine. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see about it. <laughs> I w- it, would be, it would be stunning to me if Manchester United got relegated. Yeah, oh yeah, devastating. You'd never, because you, it's just like the kind of collapse that you don't see from clubs that have that money anymore. Yeah, it's not going to happen, so we don't have to talk about it, because I don't even want to think about it. Right. I just joke about it, because I'm insecure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Now, the rivalry between Manchester United and Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool. Ooh. <laughs> got him again. Well, got him again. <laughs> it burns even more the second time. <laughs> Wasn't as big as it is today, mainly because they were still um, not huge clubs yet. I mean, they were pretty big. They were two of the bigger sides in in the English game right. back then, but they didn't have all the history of being like the two top teams for a couple decades. And in 1915, like how big could a club be in relation to like how big clubs are today? Yeah. Where you have worldwide fandoms yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, this is more based off of just like a local rivalry. Cause Liverpool and Manchester both being in the northern part of England is kind of like a turf war, you know? Like, yeah. Is the north going to be red or red? <laughs> uh, Drew, so stupid. you've hit it, my boy. <laughs> when, was, when, when, when did Manchester United switch to red from that, that yellow-green thing that they were doing for a while? Uh, I have no idea. I think it was probably were, the 1800s. Because they were yellow and green originally, which I yeah. only know because everybody wears that when they start to get rabble-rousy about getting the Glazers out and all that stuff. Yeah, and their club emblem is uh, predominantly yellow and green. Yes. So it's a pretty – what not like the Manchester United yes. logo, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. I know what I'm talking yeah. about. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's probably a word for it, but I, emblem is probably – close 
right? Again, if you didn't know, the little Latin below our uh, logo in our logo means two idiots. <laughs> Duo Stulti. I'm wearing a shirt that says that right now. <laughs> yes, you are. And we are idiots, and I'm going to continue telling this story. (laughs) So another reason why the rivalry wasn't huge in in 1915 was because um, a rivalry isn't great when one or both of the teams particularly suck. Yeah. And like I said, Manchester United was in the middle of a relegation battle, and Liverpool was just a mid-table club this season. So the forgetful season was was coming to a close. It's mm-hmm. April. World War II has already started. World War One. Wo- World War One. sorry. Yep. Completely missed. Very different. There. Yes, very different. Um, and it was looking like this was going to be the last season for a while. The, right. Obviously, right, yeah. because of, like, mm-hmm. bombings and stuff. And so... A few of the Liverpool players and a few of the Manchester United players Uh-oh. got together and both sides decided to set aside the integrity of the game. Yes. And make a little money on the side. All you very, very cool and attractive listeners, welcome to the soothing sounds of my voice in this middle section of the podcast that we like to call house stuff. Yeah, we, we, don't, we haven't actually named it or called it anything. Housekeeping. Outside of this is the time when we kind of read reviews and give you some reminders about our podcast and all that good stuff. Housekeeping with Brother Snavely. Yeah. I guess. Vocal Fry with Brother Snavely. Adam, we have some reviews. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, we have some very good reviews, actually. Uh, in a very, very exciting development for us, and me personally, as the poet in the room, I guess, listeners have begun to review us in a haiku. Well, we re- requested it a couple That's true. episodes ago. And so we are giving them shouts-outs. Shout-outs Shout today. <laughs> shouts-outs. <laughs> um, this one's from Dreg Yap, who actually... Changed his first review. Um, I actually know who this is now. Oh, cool. He's uh, he's on he's on Twitter. It's like Flormingos. He's a he's a he's from Wisconsin originally. Very he big. He lives in Florida now. Very big Ford Madison. He's a he's a huge Ford yeah. Madison fan. That's and, awesome. And then we like interact on Twitter at some points. But he says a haiku for you. Five stars, obviously. The Deadball Brothers know they are super weirdos. We must be also. Hashtag Flamingo. Hashtag Flamingos. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent work. I'm Is it very Dreggy Op or Dreggy Op? I, I mean, I don't know. It's not his real name. Dreggy Op? I think it's... Uh, Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, uh, we got another haiku from Phil Zitzelman. Yeah. Zitzelman. Zitzelman? Zitzelman. That's probably what it is. I'm going to guess. Zitzelman. Yeah, that sounds right. Haiku review. Dead Ball Bros is great. Tales of Soccer Wonderment, Logo Needs a Stash. Which, honestly, I kind of agree with because I'm a big stash guy. Drew. Those of you who have never seen my face do not know this, but I have a mustache on my face probably 90% of the time that I'm out in public. 
and it's glorious. I Drew, love it. I will say that the entire family has come around on the mustache, but I don't know if because your mustache is good or if you've just Stockholm syndrome us into liking it because we love you. Um, either way, it has worked. I'm not thinking that I will put a mustache on the logo. However, I appreciate the feedback on our graphic design choices. I'm just happy that uh, mom and our aunts stopped calling it an 80s porn stash because that was hurtful. <laughs> but They had a point. On the other hand... Like it has grown on me, it has grown on all of you. The only person whose opinion really matters... Clearly doesn't mind it that much. Oh, yeah. She likes it. She prefers it. So. So. We're talking about my wife. Shouts out Meredith. Shouts out Meredith. Love Mer- you. Or as we call her, Mayor Grills. Mayor Grills. <laughs> <laughs> Catch her in the wilderness, sleeping inside a camel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so gross. <laughs> Drew, those are some good, good reviews. Oh, so good. But you know what we also have? What do we also have? We've got merchandise, baby. Oh, We've yes. got real live shirts. Long sleeve, a long sleeve shirt, uh, some hoodie options that we have at the Teespring store. And they're all pretty nice. They're all pretty nice. We have one that I'm waiting on uh, a print from before I really start advertising it, but we're going to have one more one that will roll out in this kind of initial batch of merch. Um, and yeah. We, so, we like them, and, and people have already started to receive them. We've had a few people order, and they said that they look really good in person, which I'm ecstatic about and I was worried about because it's my first time really doing things with Teespring, and um, I was just concerned, like, oh, what if we sell these shirts for, like, 20 bucks, which is how much the average shirt is, and then they get them, and they're like, oh, really, really just crappy shirts. But the shirts are pretty good. Yeah, not bad at all. And I'm wearing one right now. You are. And, and I have one in my possession right you now. You do. You do indeed have one in your possession. I was a little late to the to the party, but I'm here, man. We've gotten compliments on I've gotten several compliments on this shirt that I'm wearing. Yeah. I'm wearing uh the bonehead tee, complete with duo stultai left shirt pocket kind of Which means two printing, idiots. Which means two idiots in, in Latin. A, in Latin. And then our skull is on the back, pretty big. Drew is in possession of the long sleeve, uh, the loudmouth long sleeve, which is a graphic that just says Deadball Brothers over and over and over again. All the way down the shirt. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah. So if you guys want to check out the store and buy one or two or three shirts or hoodies, um, that would be really appreciative. Yeah. So our our URL is teespring, uh, teespring.com slash shop slash or no teespring.com slash store slash uh deadball brother shop with little hyphens between each word um it's also pinned the link is pinned in our twitter um it is on our bio and instagram there are lots of places to find it if you're interested in our merch go ahead and check it out we get money for doing that which is like currently our only way of generating any money for this podcast so yeah so if you want to support us and want us to keep making this podcast, even though we're not really making any money right now, we're just doing it for fun. Yeah. And it's our, not like a money thing at our, all. Our enjoyment of making the podcast really is what's driving the podcast and not like, oh, we might get big and rich doing this. But we do we do spend a little bit of money um, to host the podcast on Podbean. So yeah. um, it, it is nice to cover 
the little bit of cost that we that we have. And if you would like to support us without spending money on us or you don't like any of the t-shirts, then you can always rate and review us on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this. It's really, really appreciated, and we love to hear from you guys. We love to hear the feedback. Um, give us a follow on our social media channels, at Pod, pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, so thank you again for listening. I think it's time to get back into the story, though, Drew. Don't you? Yeah, let's get back to the story. Let's do that. Play that music. From that lovely, lovely middle section with no name, Drew, give me into this. I know that you. I know that you have talked about the Liverpool Manchester United players deciding that they're going to make some money, but I don't really know how that functions yet. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to explain how they're going to make a little bit of money off this this little case of match fixing. Lay it on me, brother. <laughs> so. The date of the match is April 2nd, 1915. Um, so part of the 1914-1915 season. Yes. The last season for four years because of World War One. Gotcha. The league doesn't pick back up until 1919, 1919-1920 season. Really? Yeah. In several ways, this kind of makes it the perfect crime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we get back, who's going to even remember <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that people said that, that had uh, a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it in, in some cases. So we'll get to that though. Um, April second that year actually happened to be Good Friday. So a little, a little fun fact that doesn't really mean anything to this story. This unholy meeting occurred. Just know that God's always watching you and <laughs> <laughs> <In> judging you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only God can judge um, me, and he is. So at this point, everybody knew that, well, it was assumed that this was going to be the last season. It wasn't yet confirmed. There's still about a month of play left. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, we're all going to be fighting and dying soon. So Yeah, and Liverpool and United were meeting for their final time in for five-ish yeah. years. Um, the odds for the match, because betting was... And still is a thing yeah. on, on just about anything. Has not changed, my friend. <laughs> Has not changed at all. Uh, the odds of United beating Liverpool 2-0 were set at 8-1, which if you bet on that... Is a pretty good payout. And the result stands as 2-0 United, in United's favor, it pays off pretty well. Eight to one. Yeah, that's, those, are, those are really, really, really good odds for like a single game... Kind of deal. Well, I'm. I guess thinking about them now, I, the odds would probably be lower now. Yes, but it was still low because Liverpool was a little bit better of a side than yeah than United was that year. They're a mid table and United was you know, in the relegation was scrap. Re- relegation scrap exactly, and so um, not a lot of people would spend a ton of money on that bet. And so it was a little strange when a large sum of money was placed mm. on those odds leading up to the match. Mm-hmm. And when something like that happens, bookmakers are obviously going to be a little <gasps> sus, a little suspicious mm. of 
said bet. If you can trust one person, it's trusting a bookie and is like wanting to keep his money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Never bet against Vegas. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the game starts, and United go up 1-0 pretty pretty soon. Hmm. Shortly after that, they won a penalty. Okay. So United's captain, Patrick O'Connell, who played center mid, steps up to take the shot. It was reported that he hit the ball so far wide, it almost hit the corner flag. He then proceeds to laugh all the way back to his position with a lot of people (laughs) in hindsight. um, They think that he knew that they could just score another goal whenever they wanted, basically. That's what the the BBC report was saying. Right. It's not exactly like good acting. No, no. Um, (laughs) Doesn't look great. It's just kind of like it blows my mind when people do stuff like this and are like, oh, yeah, totally nobody will suspect a thing. (laughs) And then they go and do something stupid like that. Like, (laughs) you know, what a lovely day we're having. Yeah. And he might not have been involved in the bet because if he was, then he'd obviously have a lot of incentive to just score right there. Yeah, but it feels like he probably knew if he was just laughing. Yeah. And it might have just been to mess with guys who are actually involved with the bet. But we'll continue with the story. Um, apparently, uh, there were some some good lads in the bunch yes. who were aware that the bet was made mm-hmm. and that there was some shady business going on. And they got into a tussle in at halftime. Manchester United and with their respective team in Liverpool with their... Wait, so the two teams were, like, fighting with each other? They were, like, fighting amongst themselves, and, like, <laughs> players who weren't involved with the, with the bet were yeah. threatening to not go back out onto the pitch. Right. Because it was disgraceful. I mean, you're disgracing the beautiful game. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> A disgrace. It is messed up. Yeah, no, it sucks. It definitely sucks if you're a player who's not in on that. Eventually, the teams go back out, and the second half starts. Pretty soon after that, uh, Liverpool wins a penalty kick, which Ooh. isn't good. That's bad. Because uh-huh. for the bet to go through, yes. Liverpool can't score any goals. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and so uh, up steps Fred, Fred Pagnum, which is a name. A name. A name. Can you guess what happened? Uh, I'm going to guess that he tries to kick it out of the stadium. Well, some might interpret it as that. I think that he was actually trying to score. Oh. But he smashes the crossbar. Ooh. Which doesn't make players on both sides happy. Yes. Because the guys who don't want, who who have nothing to do with the bet, they're like, why didn't like just score that? And the guys who want the bet to go through are like, why did what you make you it so close? What are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Way too close, man. Way too close. <laughs> so anyways, the game continues, and United finds another goal. Uh, George Anderson scoring both for United. Gotcha. The game ends 2-0, and... What do you know? You know? The bet gets 
paid out. Crazy how it happens when you have an agreement between multiple players on both sides that you can just decide a result like that. <laughs> it is weird, but uh, it kind of gets a little bit weirder. Yes. So the FA launches an investigation, and the FA stands for Football Association, <laughs> which is the governing body over the Premier League and the Football League in England. And when we say football, we're talking about soccer. soccer. Yes, for those of you who are unaware. Who don't know. Yes. Um, they found out, the FA found out in their investigation that several players from both sides did, in fact, benefit from this bet. Yeah, well, no crap. Well, I there's, there's a money trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not great. So United, Sandy Turnbull, Arthur Whaley. So, wait, hold, hold on. Hold on one second. Sandy Turnbull? Yeah, Turnbull. Yeah. <laughs> Just a name. <laughs> I feel like we're underselling that name. Sandy Turnbull. <laughs> Why would you name your child that? Well, I mean, Turnbull, you don't really have a lot of say because it's the last name. I, I know, you but know. then you named it Sandy? Yeah, I don't know. It's like if your last name was Balzac, B-A-L-Z-A-C, and you named him, like, Dirty as the first name. <laughs> okay. Come on. Come okay. on. Give the kid a chance. Whatever, whatever. I'm going to continue telling this story. <laughs> um, so Sandy Turnbull, Arthur Whaley, and Enoch West. Enoch is a great name, though. Enoch is a good name. They're all United players. Right. Uh, they were found guilty with Liverpool's Jackie Sheldon, Tom Miller, Bob Purcell, and Thomas Fairfowl, which is kind of a Fairfowl, which is kind of a fun name for a soccer that player. That is a good name for a Fairfowl. That's Fairfowl. a good name. <laughs> I love, I love, I love names that sound like just like you're saying a sentence, <laughs> like Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, so all those guys were involved. Sheldon, Jackie Sheldon from Liverpool, right. was actually friends with several of the United players because he was actually a United player earlier on his on in his career and he was found to be the ringleader for this this whole scandal Jackie Robinson Sheldon <laughs> how could you no <laughs> he's a good glue guy yeah. you know yeah. you need somebody to to bring everybody together cuz uh-huh. there's like the rivalry you know you're not going to you're not going to decide this with your with your enemies yeah you know so uh, there had to be some sort of middleman. Somebody, somebody somebody that can bring both sides together, like Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Fred Pagnam, the guy who missed the penalty yes. earlier, um, and uh, George Anderson, who scored the goals for United, uh-huh. were actually not a part of the bet at all. So Fred Pagnum is just, like, that awful at taking penalty kicks? I mean, taking a penalty is, is stressful. Taking a penalty kick is stressful, but I have never seen a shot in a penalty kick go closer to the corner flag than to the goal. Well, no, okay, so Pagnum was the guy who who missed the penalty um, for Liverpool. Oh, it hit the one that hit the crossbar. The one that hit the crossbar, got it. yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. Um, Patrick O'Connell was United's captain who missed the... I understand. It would be funny if that first penalty miss was not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, that is terrible. But the guy who hit the crossbar wasn't a part of the the scandal. Got it. Wait, I mean, when you're stepping up to the spot and you know what's going on, it's yeah. like, 
What do you do? You know, you'd I, be a good guy. You would, if you were intentionally missing by hitting the crossbar, you were, you'd be the best penalty kick taker. (laughs) I think. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's next level. Like you're just styling on your teammates. (laughs) Like I'm a miss, but watch how I do it. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, United player, Billy Meredith, who wasn't involved with, with, with anything. He said something seemed off when none of his United teammates would pass him the ball. <laughs> he didn't know that he didn't know what was happening. Right. But he seemed it was strange that they just elected to not pass the ball to him. Nobody's marking him. He's just sitting on the six like Oi. <laughs> Oi, bruv. Oh bruv. I'm wide open. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it probably went something a little like that i'm sure that they sounded exactly like that yeah billy it, meredith and the boys exactly like that all seven players like i said were found guilty uh they were banned for life though there wasn't another match until 1919 right and they they were under the impression that there'd be a little less scrutiny scrutiny and um there wouldn't be as in-depth investigation in to the to the match itself because I mean World War One had already been started yes. and it was going to be the yeah. last season mm-hmm. for a while, uh, but they still got banned. The <laughs> but, surprise, <laughs> but surprise! But surprise! Um, though there was the five five year break, the six of the players actually had their bans lifted as a result of serving in the war, serving for the country. So it's like uh, you that paid your sense. your debt to society. Yeah. Hopefully you're a better person now. You can continue to play soccer if you if you choose. Yeah, that's fair. I would I would make that I would make that deal if I was the FA. Enoch West, who great great name. name. Unfortunately, name. I mean not unfortunately. I mean I wouldn't care if whatever. All these guys stayed banned for the rest of their <laughs> lives. Okay. Uh, he didn't get reinstated. I don't know why he didn't get reinstated. Was he the Maybe only he one? didn't serve in the. Yeah, he was the only one. That sucks. Um, it definitely sucks to be the only one. Yeah. So four of the guys continued to play once the yeah. the war ended. Mm-hmm. One of the guys uh, died yeah. while serving, and another guy just didn't come back. Uh, Enoch West, at the age of fifty nine finally got the ban lifted so go off son go <laughs> catch him in your sunday league <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh man as i said a couple times already united was in the middle of a scrap yeah, so right. they got two points from this from this result oh it was the two point is the two point, point era yeah. Oh, yeah um which actually had ramifications for how the league uh, the league standings finished. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time there were eighteen teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Or this is I'm, no. I'm assuming this is League One. No, like, Premier League. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. But, before like, the Premier the, League. At yeah. The time, top I'm pretty sure flight. League One was top flight. Yeah. Top flight. Let's just go with top flight. Top flight. Yeah. Uh, there were there were nineteen teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Manchester United finished eighteenth. The 19th team was the one to get relegated, who finished one point behind Whoa. Manchester United. And you've probably heard of them before. 
Oh, a little Chelsea FC, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> but Chelsea didn't end up getting relegated because that year the Premier League decided to expand oh. to 20 teams. And so Chelsea were able to yep. stay up in the top flight. And the 20th team to join the top flight was one Arsenal. Another oh, that's actually team, wild. Which is really weird. That is really, really weird. Like, without that expansion, Arsenal and Chelsea wouldn't have been in the top flight in 1919, which I don't know if that ha- would have any ramifications for current soccer. I mean, probably not. Probably not. Uh, so, I, mean, I mean, Chelsea... Maybe for Chelsea... Chelsea has a history of being, like, a pretty decent team, and then didn't become, like, one of the world's best teams, really, until, like, very recently. Yeah. But, yeah, that is true. But Arsenal Arsenal, and Manchester United... Historically. And Liverpool, historically, throughout different time periods, much earlier than Chelsea, have been some of the best teams in England. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they necessarily would have been effective. Maybe Chelsea, maybe. If Chelsea isn't, like, a pretty decent club, then maybe... Eventually, Roman Abramovich doesn't buy them, and whoever is the pretty decent club in London that he decides to go with, Crystal Palace. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's an alternate reality that there's an al- there's an alternate universe where an alternate universe Roman where. Abramovich uh, buys Crystal Palace and turns them into a world beater. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I believe it. That was that was the story of the match match fix that. Really, players just wanted to make money off of right. ending up saving Manchester United from relegation. It's always funny to me how, like, people doing bad things so often are so dumb. Yeah. Like, like just so, so stupid about and it. And pretty blatant. Yeah. Like, like, like they, they were doing it, and it was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll never catch us. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, we will catch you because it's really, really easy to. Yeah, when you're when you're betting a hundred pounds or however much a lot of money was back then, a hundred pounds was probably a lot. It was probably a lot of money at that point in time. On uh, eight to one odds for Manchester United to beat Liverpool two 0 Yeah, that's that's gonna raise some eyebrows. Mm-hmm. So and I'm, and I'm guessing that they didn't like, you know really really hide their tracks well as far as like who was getting the money like who actually placed that bet yeah like it was just like oh yes my best mate liam or whatever has <laughs> decided that he's gonna go do it and when you have two penalties that are missed in pretty spectacular fashion well when you have one penalty that's missed in 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 that it goes closer to the corner flag like it is not difficult to miss a penalty close yeah if you ask me to intentionally go miss a penalty and make it look like i was trying to hit it i can do it for you no sweat absolutely not i am not a premier league player but i guarantee that people that play professional soccer can do that without <laughs> making it look like it's going towards the corner flag and then to have the stones to just laugh all the way back to the center circle could you imagine right now if friggin Whoever, Scott McTominay or Fiji or uh, Marcus Rashford, who will probably be taking the penalties. I think Marcus Rashford takes a lot of the penalties for Manchester United. Was to miss a penalty like that and then laughed all the way back. 
how the Manchester United fans would react to that. Yeah, it would not be... It would be, definitely be weird. They already give him racist abuse just for existing. Yes. Well, they actually did give him racist abuse abuse for missing a penalty earlier this season. He's, he's actually definitely missed trying, two. And he's trying to make it. Definitely trying to make both. Yeah, so... All I'm saying is... Yeah, not a great look. Maybe not a, the best move if you're, like, trying to carry off your master match-fixing plan. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, I, they were thinking that it wouldn't be as heavily scrutinized because of the war, but they were sorely mistaken. Yeah. And rightfully so. I'm glad that the good guys won this time around. Because guys, the good guys did win this time around. If you want to consider the FA being the good guys. I never consider the FA They're being the good guys. They're probably not the good guys. Uh, I mean, for context, it was about four or five years after this when, if you're going to go back all the way to Dead Ball Brothers, episode one, Bullets and a Ball, the Dick Kerr Ladies FC, that they banned women's soccer in FA-sanctioned stadiums for 50 years. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. This is a pretty messed up thing to do. Uh-huh. Like, pretty terrible. Yep. So. If you want to learn more about that, you can go back to the beginning of the podcast and watch Bullets and a Ball. Hopefully we, talk, hopefully we talk better and tell better story, tell stories uh, more effectively now. Than, I think we do. If you're going to go listen to the beginning of the podcast, you'll probably just skip past the first half of it because we used to. Talk spend, a lot. Talk a lot. <laughs> we used to spend the first half of the podcast just talking about uh, current soccer things. So you'll hear a lot of old analysis about the Women's World Cup. Um, but then you can just skip forward to the timestamp and uh, listen to a story. Yeah. Told by yours truly, Adam, yes. Adam Whitaker Snavely. Our inaugural. Our first story. Story. So. Actually, a little teaser next week going back to women's footy. Oh, yeah. Good. Going it's about back. time. It is about time. We're talking, talking about it. Uh, talking about uh, a forerunner in. Women's soccer, specifically. Are we talking about the vehicle? In no, we're not talking about the Toyota Forerunner. No, we're not talking about the Toyota Forerunner. We're talking about a Forerunner to probably the. Uh, I'll say it, probably the best women's soccer player ever. We're talking about the Forerunner to her. Wow! All right. So I'll let you guess. I'll let you make your own guesses as to who that could be. Uh, well, I cannot wait for that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. In one week, not in two weeks. We're very, very sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It yes. means so much that you're spending time with us, listening to you two idiots discuss the sport that we love the most. And, hit, and the history about it. And, and the history is really interesting, and some, too. And some weird and wild and wacky history that yes. we love so much. Yes. Just just two wacky brothers talking about some wacky history. Just two guys being dudes. Just, just what's better than this? <laughs> guys being dudes. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Follow us if you want to. I'm not your father, and so you don't have to do what I say. But if I was your father, I would say, hey, give us five stars. Or maybe if I was your father, I would say, hey, you're not allowed to listen to this podcast so that you'd go and do it anyway because you don't have a good relationship with your father. Oh, wow. That just went dark. Mm-hmm. Daddy issues. A little bit. What? <laughs> My name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. <laughs> I'm Drew Snavely. Don't forget to follow us at Dead Ball Pod everywhere. We love you and we will see you in one week. Goodbye. Peace.